هاي تسلسل سفن انجنير بودكاست نام مي عبد الرحمن عاطف ان دكتور غانم كشواني We are doing the civil engineer podcast that we're gonna talk about the benefit about the civil engineer and with the fight, we're gonna fight the civil engineer, we're gonna do the best we can do, and I hope you're gonna like it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon or good morning or good night from where you are. In this episode, we speak with one of our mentor, engineer Antonio Fasano. Engineer Antonio Fasano graduated from Lafayette College in 2000. and had a master in civil engineer from Colombian engineer in 2002. He is one of the more active engineers he will work differently he will work in different fields civil engineer. In 2011 he published a book called Engineering Your Own Success and I recommend civil engineer to go and read about this book where he wrote about the skill and how to be a civil engineer. In 2012 he opened a coaching company called the Engineering Management Institute where he coach and help engineers to be a good leader, develop their skill and help them all over the world. One of the product of the Engineering Management Institute or of the result, which I think is really amazing that they have a four podcast which is really amazing. The first one is called the Engineering Management Co- Engineering Coach where he coach the civil engineer or the engineer at all. Second one is civil engineering podcast where he talks speak about civil topic about civil engineer then the structure podcast then such a technical engineer what is open recently he's also a broken in ASCE American Society of Civil Engineer Institute where he guide and mentor civil engineer today we have a nice talk with him and nice idea and then let's share information go and listen to us it and I hope you're gonna like it Thank you. So, Mr. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you, Kashwani. Thank you, Ati, for having me on the podcast. Same to you. We are, we are really appreciated to have you on our podcast. And for a guy like you, like a great engineer like you, Dr. Engineer and Tony. So, can you introduce us more about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, my background is in civil engineering. Um, I started with an internship when I was in actually in the end of my high school and into college. And then I practiced civil engineering for a while, mostly in land development. And I really enjoyed civil engineering, but what I really wanted to do was become a leader in the civil engineering field. And when I looked at the leaders in civil engineering, I noticed that, you know, in addition to their technical skills, they had really good management skills. They could communicate effectively. They could network, they could lead projects. And so I really developed those skills and my career took off and the company that I worked for, they asked me if I would actually do some training on those skill sets within the company. And so at first, of course, I I said, I don't think I can do that. I'm an engineer. I'm not, I'm not a trainer. Um, But eventually I did it. I did some training. I really enjoyed it and we got some really good results. So ultimately I felt like that's something that I wanted to do more. And so after doing that for a year within the company. And after uh, probably about 12 years of a career in civil engineering, I left engineering in 2009 and I started traveling around the United States doing coaching and training and helping engineering professionals become better managers and leaders. And that's what brought me to where I am today. Wow, that's really great story from you, Mr. Antoni. Really amazing story. And so about what about the Engineering Management Institute and how did you create it? Because this is my second question. I was going to ask you about why, what is the reason you created engineering management, the Engineering Management Institute? Because when I go to the, to the content there, it's really a great content there. Oh, thank you. We appreciate that. Well, yeah, so basically what happened for me is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I developed my people skills and my management skills. And I realized that a lot of engineers struggled with those skill sets because they don't teach us those skills in school. You don't learn how to communicate. You don't learn how to network. You don't learn how to delegate. You don't learn time management. And so I always felt like engineers need that support and there was nowhere for them to get that support. So at EMI, we create free content. As you know, we create training programs 
and we try to help engineering professionals become better managers and leaders. And that's what EMI is focused around. That's our mission. That's our goal. And we do it through a lot of free content. And we also have developmental training courses and programs. Well, actually, I agree with you that actually, to be honest, like in the college, they are only teaching you technical stuff. And well, to be honest, I, I studied in the American system. And when you go to the field, there is nothing about soft skill and communication and interpersonal skill. This really, I agree with you about this. As you should, and actually, uh, to be honest, in the college, you should teach about this in the college, but I don't know why they are not teaching it. It's really a great, it's really a great concept from you to create that. Right. And you know, you know, Atif, from being in construction field, that being able to interact with people and speak with people is really like one of the most important aspects of civil engineering. And again, they don't teach that in school, you know, because they don't have time to teach it because they have to teach all the technical components. But it's just as important as all that. You kind of need both of those things together to make, you know, a well-rounded civil engineer. Uh, so, uh, Anthony, again, you know, thanks uh, for um, accepting our invitation. I mean, I, I do agree with you that as a civil engineer now, we have some important topics like, um, and you already covered it in your uh, in your talks, like entrepreneurship, uh, uh, mental health. You know, I think many people, they are ignored such vital topic, like in construction now with the covid you know, um, these topics should be highlighted. You know, unfortunately, as an academic, um, sometimes we don't have the capacity to cover it in our curriculum. But yes, as a young engineer, once you go to the field, you will be shocked with it. You know, I was talking with Apple about it that uh, sometimes you have all the technical background you need is through from the st uh, structure, geotechnical, surveying. But once you don't, uh, you go to, for example, non healthy environment, you don't know how to react as an engineer. So I think uh, these things should be implemented in the curriculum and should be there is integration between the industrial and academic skills uh, to the young engineers so that we are not only saving time here, uh, we, are, we have more preparation for the engineer to go to the market. So instead we have the title of graduate engineer, well, we have the engineers ready since college day. Yeah, I mean, Kashwani, that's really, I agree with you 100% on that. And I think that the best way to be able to do that is to have really good internship programs at the schools because, you know, it's going to be difficult to add a lot of courses to an engineering curriculum because it's already set and it's dictated by, I know here in the U.S., you have to have an ABET accreditation in order to be able to get your PE license. You have to go to a school that has all the academic curriculum. So that being said, what we can do is try to create more internship programs where, you know, in the summers, maybe in the winter holidays, you're going out and you're working at an engineering firm and you're getting, you know, you're getting exposure to real projects and real conversations and real sets of plans and specifications so that when you do graduate, you have the technical curriculum and you've already had some experience in the field. And now you're not so shocked, like you say, when you get out there. Um, and I think that I tell engineering professionals this all the time that internships are so important. When I was hiring, when I worked at the engineering company and I was hiring young engineers, I not, you know, it's not that I didn't care about their GPA, but I really wanted to see their internship experience because that tells me a lot about them. Are they exposed to the industry? Have they talked to real people, real engineering professionals? Have they been on a construction site before? And so I think that you make a good point there. And really, I think that the schools need to get really creative in internship programs, even or even these externship programs, which I did when I was in school, which is just a couple of days, two or three days with an alumni, you know, at their company, just getting to see what the real world is like. So I think anything we can do to promote that would be very valuable to civil engineers. Yeah, I agree with you. It's like a co-op program, exactly. to be honest. Like when you have a co-op program, yeah. Like we call it we call it here a co-op program where you have a little 50% uh, education and 50% like from industry, you have to do the internship. And I agree with you that because to be honest, I, when I... When I did the internship, I did it really. I did it for I did it for a four months. I did it for different contractor just to get beat in the field. But unfortunately, I see many other students when I when I might say they're not just to wait for the day of filling the form and getting signed yeah. and that's it. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent yeah. Co-op, we have that too. They call it a co-op. We're like some schools in the US, you do a whole semester, right, as a co-op with a company, and you just end up going to school for an extra year. 
but two semesters are spent on the job. And I think that that's very valuable because it, when you graduate, you're just, you're ahead of the game because you know what's going on in the field. You're not being introduced to it blindly. And also, I think that if you go to an, if you, if you're in a co-op program, let's say junior year, and then you come back for another semester of classes, I feel like you can get more out of your classes because now you know really what you're going to use those technical concepts for because you've been exposed to it. Whereas if you're just going for four years of technical training, but you're not really sure how you're going to apply it, it's not as valuable in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. Because to be honest, when I did my internship as a contractor in construction, it gave me a lot of about the site, how the, how the work going on. It helped me really, in the, especially to prove what I want to be, especially to go more right. in management, structure and management to go that. So to engineering Tony, like when I go to the engineering institute, I saw not one, not two, three podcasts. Which is to be honest, I like this is the first time I see like an institute doing a three engineering podcast, and there are few in the field. Like when I Google last time and checked it last time, it was only ten to fifteen different engineering podcasts, which is the seven engineering podcast, the engineering career coach, and the structural engineer, and. Besides that, you have, mashallah, you have in your engineering, in your podcast, a good YouTube channel which can explain a lot of ideas on top of cotton to the engineers. So can you explain what is the concept? Yeah, sure. One? Absolutely. So so the Engineering Career Coach podcast was the first podcast that I had started when I started the company. And the idea was basically around what we've been talking about, helping engineers and technical professionals with some of their soft skills, people skills, management skills. And the podcast did really well, but I started to get requests from listeners if I could do some more civil engineering related content because, you know, I'm a civil, I have a big network in civil engineering. And so I said, well, you know, it's really a podcast for all engineers, but I can start another podcast called the Civil Engineering Podcast, which I did. And that podcast now we've had, you know, over 150 episodes. And really what we do is we we focus on civil engineering leaders and we interview them and we say, how did you become a leader? What skills are the best? What should you be doing at this stage of your career? And the reason that I wanted to do that, Atif, is because I feel like when I was a young civil engineer, I had a lot of questions, but I didn't know where to get the answers. And so if we can create a resource for people, maybe there's a CEO in California or even Dubai of civil engineering that can give some advice that another engineer on the other side of the world can now listen to and then make a change in their career. That's really valuable. I see that as very valuable. So the Civil Engineering Podcast has done very well. Then I started like realizing that there's a lot of different components in civil engineering, right? You have structural engineering. We have geotechnical engineering. And so I felt that those were big enough niches where we could provide some assistance to those subsets of civil engineering. So we started the Structural Engineering Channel where we focus on structural engineering topics and trends and codes and guidelines. And then we even started a new podcast recently, the geotechnical engineering podcast, where we focus on, you know, soils improvements, um, soil stabilization and so on. And so the whole idea here is that engineers need guidance and it's a difficult career to go through on your own. And so if we can create that guidance and we can connect experienced engineers and take some of their wisdom and share it with younger progressing engineers, it's very valuable. And even honestly, I even get emails from CEOs of engineering companies that they listen to the civil engineering podcast because they want to hear what other CEOs are doing. They want to hear what other companies are doing. We also recently had a series on the civil engineering podcast called Women in Civil Engineering, which you can find on our website if you go to civilengineeringpodcast.com. And that's also a great use of the platform, in my opinion, is that we need to promote diversity in the world of civil engineering. And so that's something that we're really focused on right now at EMI. So really, all of the content that we create, the podcast, the YouTube channels, they're really focused on helping engineers succeed and promoting you know, diversity and different pers- perspectives in the world of civil engineering. And I really enjoy doing it. And from the feedback we're getting, is it's helping a lot of people. Uh, anyway, thanks a lot, Anthony, for that. You know, I remember um, I was listening a- early to your show in the, in the beginning of the 2015, and I remember one of your um, 
episode was talking about should the, the civil engineer pursue his uh, graduate study or not you know and from that day i'm a big fan from your show and uh, I, I think you, uh, you t- t- uh, i'm totally agree with you that um, in construction industry there is a lot of potential and especially with the sustainable development goals you mentioned about women in civil engineering i mean the brooklyn bridge and its story about uh, how it have been built by emily Rosbilling uh, and civil engineering is very touching. I mean, and uh, many, uh, unfortunately, civil engineers, they don't know about the story about that. And uh, this is one of the uh, goals of sustainable uh, SDGs. And um, also, like me and Atof, we usually say, um, we discuss that in the construction civil engineer, we have something called with the three F that we are suffering from it. The first F, it is very fragmented industry. The second F, it is very f- f- fast paced so that we, it's hard to pause and to innovate. And the third F, it is very fixed system. So these are the three Fs that we are facing civil engineering and or in construction. And we need to have the innovative and thinking forward uh, thinking to see it and how we can tackle it. So I totally agree with you. No, I mean, again, those are really good points, Kashwani. And I think, first of all, the Brooklyn Bridge is an amazing story and an amazing structure. There's a wonderful book called The Great Bridge by David McCullough that I really like, where he really gets into a lot of the details in the story from John Roebling to, to when Emily Roebling took over. Um, it's a great book. And if you're, an, if you're a civil engineer, you should read that book. It's dynamite. But, but back to your three Fs, I think that that's a great way to put it, fragmented, fast-paced, and fixed. And those can definitely be some challenges for civil engineers, right? Right. Um, it can be fragmented. I mean, I was very confused when I started my career as a civil engineer because there's a, so many different disciplines, right? You could do geotech, you could do structural, you could do land development. I ended up doing land development and I didn't even know what that was when I graduated school because there was no classes on that. So, so that could be very challenging. And I think that that's another benefit of the content is that we can try to point people in the right direction. I also agree that it's a fast-paced industry, right? When you're dealing with construction and the built environment, there's a lot of money involved, which means time is valuable, which means projects tried to get pushed through as quickly as possible. And if you're someone who, you know, is looking for a nice profession where you can have, make some money and, you know, have a family and support your family, it can be very stressful. So, you know, finding the right job is important for you, right? Like you'll see a lot of civil engineers will work on the government side because they feel like there's some less stress associated with that. And that may or may not be the case. Um, But there might be some other things that benefits that you don't get as if you were working in the private sector. So that's a balancing act that people have to decide. But I do think that people need to be aware of having that balance in their careers and in their lives. And you, I, I believe that you can find the right civil engineering job for you, but you have to look for it. And in terms of, you know, being a fixed a fixed industry. That's where I think the diversity and the different perspectives have to really come into play. Um, And we need to keep innovating in the world of civil engineering. I think the nice thing is I I am seeing a lot of innovation in terms of softwares and different, you know, leaders. Um, But I think it's something that, again, companies have to be more involved with. Like I've talked to some engineering companies, civil companies that have real innovation committees and initiatives. They have real diversity um, initiatives. We need more companies doing those types of things to help break <clears throat> civil engineering, You know, make it less fixed um, and, and, and less stuck in the past. And I will say one thing about the pandemic is I think that traditionally a lot of older or more experienced civil engineers were against the idea of a remote workplace for civil engineering. They didn't believe that it could be done, but the pandemic has proved that wrong. Um, Many civil engineering companies have been very successful over the last year through the pandemic. So I think that if there's a positive, I'm a very positive person. And I think if there's a positive that we can take out of this pandemic is that it shows that civil engineers can be flexible. They can work remote. They can do things differently. And hopefully that after some of that is going to stick. And I believe some of that will stick and there'll be a lot more of that. And Kashwani, that may make civil engineering a more balanced profession because if you can work from home, if you get more flexibility, that may help you to have a little bit more balance in your life as a civil engineer. I agree with you. Really, I agree with you, especially for, for the remote working, to be honest, like it's possible. 
it's possible. I know some job like in the construction, you can it's difficult to make it hundred percent, but for design and this is possible. And to be honest, to be honest, it's, it's possible you can make remote, especially in design. And we have the technology like the cloud computing, like everything. But the problem, I but I believe this is my personal opinion. People don't have a trust issue like some of the manager, like the old style manager I call them. The trust issue, like the guy is not working everything, like. But it's possible. It can, and the COVID and during COVID pandemic, it teaches us how we can work from home, and it's possible we can do it. And I agree with you 100%. This can open like a new job, like if you can do work from home, or you can do it remotely. It can be open to a new field in the civil engineering. Not only that, you can open up with work as a freelancer. Yeah. You can work as a freelancer civil engineer. You can do the work. You can do a freelancing job. You don't need even. You don't even need. The, you don't even need to even to work from. <laughs> You need to travel to work. It's really, it's really possible, and it really can can be changed for civil engineer. Yeah, and I think what's important too, Atif, is it's important for people, you know, to have a good balance in their life, meaning that they want to work and have a good job and work hard, but they need to enjoy themselves and have hobbies and other things to do because you don't want people working in your company that are just always working because you know they're going to get burnt out. They're not going to be fun to be around. They're going to be stressed. And so, you know, I've always made it a point to try to create good balance for not only myself, but for our team here at EMI. I want them to do things personally. I want us to volunteer in STEM organizations because, you know, I think to be happy in life in general, you need to do that. You can't just work all the time, right? There has to be a balance. And so um, I think that that's an important point because I think. If you think that working, you know, 60, 70, 80, 80 hours a week is going to make you a successful civil engineer, I don't think it is. I think it's going to burn Actually, you Actually, we out. call it this work-life balance integration, to be honest. You have to integrate that in your life. Working two, two hours is not a lot. So yeah. now we have, I want to speak about, because we are speaking about the career, about this. So what about, what about the coaching and the media, the new stream media? Can be this a new job, a new feed for civil engineer, like podcasting or media or coaching? Because I, to be honest, I never see this a lot, especially here in the Middle East, like engineer course or engineering mentor. And I wish if I have an engineering mentor during college to teach me, to guide me during a career, where to go, where not to go. So can you speak like engineering coaching or engineering media to have a YouTube or in media or thing? It's mentoring in general. Can it be a new career for civil engineering, especially for experience one? to help the other engineer to go to guide them in their life? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. You know, when I when I initially I initially named the company Engineering Career Coach. Um and I did that because I I didn't think that there was a lot of career coaching out there for engineers. And I think that since we started doing that back in around 2009 or so, there's been a lot more engineering career coaches out there in the industry, which I think is great. I think as many as we can have, we need them. And EMI is a welcomed platform to help any engineering career coaches reach more engineers. In fact, on our blog, we have tons of career coaches that guest write articles just so we can help them get themselves out there. And I think it's important. Um, I do think it can be a career. I do think that it's helpful, though, that people have gone through an engineering career or at least worked in the field for a few years, too, because um, you need that experience and that wisdom to be able to guide people often. Um, but I wish that there was more engineering career coaches out there. Um, and I do think that more engineers can definitely create content. I think that, again, it's one of those things that we're not taught in school, meaning you know, speaking in public, getting on the screen you know, talking on a podcast, but it's something that you can learn and you can develop these skills. And I tell people that all the time. A lot of people think that, you know, I'm not a good public speaker. I wasn't born with those skills. I mean, listen, I wasn't a good public speaker. Before I started speaking, you couldn't even understand me, but I went to training. I joined the Toastmasters. I developed my skills and I got better. And so, you know, my message to engineers out there is, I think creating content is a good thing for you. It gets your name out there. It helps you build expertise. And you may even be able to help other people in the process, but you have to just hone your skills. You have to practice. And it's not something that you can or can't do. It's up to you if you want to develop those skills. So I do think engineers can get involved in media more. In fact, I think it benefit their careers. And it's just a matter of practice and doing it. 
so Anthony, I'm I'm really curious about this point that um, you know I was reading the book for Simon Sink, The Infinite Game, and um, he has this nice phrase that the word bitter is better than the best because you only just compete with yourself. And you mentioned that you give advice and mentorship for young uh, for civil engineers. My question is that. Um, Is it different when somebody come from baby boomers era or from millennium or Gen Z? There's different strategies. I mean, especially when Gen Z, I mean, um, um, maybe you know they they are they are more um, you know high tech, but in terms of social skills, maybe sure. baby boomers. I mean, it is different. I'm not comparing here. I'm different. So, any different strategy with them, or it is one fits all for them? No, I think the key thing there, Kashwani, and that's a good question, is. <clears throat> First thing you need to identify is what is that person's goals, right? One person may want to own a company. One person might not might just want to be a technical designer for their entire career. You know, one person may want to work internationally, right? So that's number one. Like, what is your goal? And then based on what the generation they are, there may just be different avenues that they would take to fulfill that goal. So for example, someone from a younger generation might use software more than someone who's, you know, more experienced. They might go about it a different or more traditional way. So I don't I don't I think that they might be different in their approaches, but they can also all achieve the same goals, you know, or achieve the same level in their career. Um, it just depends how they're going to approach it. I will say this though, I think that engineers And engineering companies that are to be the most successful in their careers have to be willing to adapt and change to the new ways, right? If you're too rigid and you're not flexible, that could really hurt you in your career development or in the growth of your company. If you have a, a very older CEO of an engineering company, and because they're older and traditional, they don't want to use new technology, they're going to get passed by all the other companies, right? So... I think that every generation has different perspectives. They can all be good. Um, but I think ultimately, and this goes for career coaching too, is that whenever you want to help somebody, you need to understand what they want. And the only person that really knows that is them. You need to help them discover that. And then you can maybe help them on the path, right, to, to discover it. And the path may change depending on their backgrounds and their experience levels. Um, But that's really the most important thing. I think the worst thing that can happen for an engineer is that they don't have the goal. Because if they don't have a goal, then you can't really help them get there because they don't know where they're going. So that's always a really good first step with any experience of engineers to help, that they have to have a good plan and a good goal. Yeah, we call it actually find the purpose in your life. What is your purpose as a civil engineer? It might be difficult at yeah. the beginning, especially for a fresh who graduated doesn't know where he will go. But it will come with time when he's going to get experience, when he's going to get real things. This is my belief, to be honest. But I agree with you. The most of the companies, especially SME companies, small and medium enterprise, they should change the way like, to be flexible and more, you know, more flexible to change to the market and to have to be more adaptable. Because to be honest, to be go with the old or convenient style will harm the company so much. Because to be honest, I saw, to be honest, the Middle East, I saw some people are not even using, you know, in the drawings, they are not even, they are sticking, not, forget about AutoCAD, they are using the manual paper and pencil to draw their drawing. Like, yeah. I see some people like this mentality, to be honest, and they never want to change. Even, to be honest, I was working with some people when I was in my field. I work with some people in the same position with me. They are older by me by 30 years. Like, they are 52 or 53, where I am, like, in 23, 24. Like, they never want to develop. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. You know what? I have young kids, right? And sometimes they tell me like, no, dad, you have to do it this yeah. way. And I'm telling them, I'm like, all right, you know, show me yeah. how to do it. I want to see how yeah. you do it, you know, but you have to be willing to take a look at how someone else does it and just be open to it. You know, you don't have to change everything, but sometimes the new way is better. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, uh, my kids like the star Wars movies and, Right now we're watching the Mandalorian series and my son says to me, dad, this is the way. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what he tells me. This is the way. I said, all right, if you think that's the way, then I want to be open to looking yeah. at it, right? So we need to be open to different perspectives from different generations because kind of we need to take probably something from every generation and put it together if we want to be successful. And so it's not to say that the 
traditional, the older executives don't have value. They have value, but so do the new graduates. They have value too. And the best companies, I think, take the value from all the different experiences and build something together. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, really. I completely agree with you. I cannot even more argue about that. But so moving on to the next question, what is about the podcast and the new media? Podcast, YouTube, audiobook, online course. Can be these a better way to go for a new way to stream in the study to teach someone to go more learning? Better than the old tradition ones like to, to go only reading to read the book or just go to a class or lecture. Because for example, to be honest to me, for me, if you give me a book, I'm gonna sleep within three minutes. It gives me it gives me dizzy. But if you give me an audio book, I can listen to it for an hour. <laughs> so can it test a new technology? Be a better way like a podcast or audio book on the online course? Yeah, I mean, Atif, that's a great, a great question and a great point is that, and this is something that I've learned over the years in doing development and training is everybody learns differently. So if you want to be successful in educating someone or educating a large number of people, which is what we try to do at EMI, you have to have different methods of teaching, right? And so we're actually going through this now at EMI where we're changing the verbiage that we use is we're not calling it training anymore. We're calling them developmental programs. Wow. And the idea is that you need to develop continuously over time, right? You can't come to our engineering management course and take it for five weeks and be a good manager. It doesn't work that way. Now, you could come for five weeks and get a lot of the basics and the fundamentals, but then we need to stay in touch with you over the next year and help you to use those fundamentals on the job, right? Like continuous learning. Maybe that's through a podcast. Maybe that's through some videos. Maybe that's through some um, transcripts if you prefer to read, right? And someone else doesn't. So I think to your point that the education system needs to get needs to change. It needs to have many different ways to teach because especially after this pandemic, now people may be getting used to remote learning. Now that when they go back to school, they're not going to be able to absorb the information as well as they could online, right? I meet engineers all the time when I used to go to conferences and they would say, you know what? I listen to your podcast all the time. When I'm at the gym, I'm working out. When I'm on the train, I'm going to work, Right. So <laughs> I do that also. I listen to it when I jump. Yeah. So, right. So when you're at the gym. So the point is, is that if you really want people to learn, you have to give them, you have to let them do it on their own pace. And I think that the same can apply in the education system. And if we did it that way, I think more kids, even young kids, more kids would be successful. A lot of kids don't do well in school because they have to sit at a desk and they have to listen to the teacher for eight hours a day and they can't do that. So I think I think that can apply to engineering as well. Yeah, because actually, to be honest, uh, Prince Aya, he said, if you want to kill the student, give him a book and let him to research for an hour, to be honest. Like, yeah, I agree with you. Even the education system has to be changed because to be considered, I cons to be honest, in my opinion, most of the courses, I call it the medieval courses, like even some universities, they don't change the curriculum or the courses. Like, I call it the medieval courses. They are the same system, the same course, the same curriculum, and the market is dynamic. They have to change the way the university, the way the education it is. There are some universities going to, to change to the way, but there are some of they are stick in the old circumstance. I know some universities they never change their their courses for 10 years. Which is right. yeah, but is for me, you should change because the market dynamic. And I'll tell you an example. Like uh, we have here in one university, I study what called the course wood design. Like come on, the middle, we're not gonna use any wood here. We are all using concrete. But right. but they are just copy paste and they are doing the whole American system as the copy paste. Right. So this is my question to the to the next question. This is my introduction. What's about the new scale of technology people shall learn like AI, 3D printing, robotics, Internet of Things, digital twins. Yeah. Those are new to make no one has speak money college. I never see this subject are there. Yeah, I think this goes back to kind of one of Kashwani's comments before and that the civil engineering world is a little fragmented, right? There's all these different things out there, like, you know, the digital twins, you know, BIM, you know, one thing after the next 3d visualization. Yeah. And so if you're a civil engineer, you'll be overwhelmed and say, you know, what do I learn? Like, do I need to learn all this stuff? And so I think this goes back to the co-op idea and the idea of, um, 
what you're passionate about and what your goals are. Mm. You need to try to figure out what area of civil engineering you want to work in. Mm. And then once you figure that out, then you can learn the programs that are related to that field, right? Mm. Otherwise, you're going to be trying to learn everything and you're not going to really learn anything. So the first step would be like, if you want to be a geotechnical engineer, then you might want to find some good software or new technology around soil improvement. And then you would focus there. If you want to be instructional engineering, you should pick the material that you want to practice in, like you said, because there's, you know, there could be masonry, there could be wood, you know, and you can't learn all those different things really good. Maybe when you're younger, you learn about all of them, but then you're going to specialize in one of them. And so I think that, yes, civil engineers should be learning the new technology, but you can't learn it all. So you have to try to pick the ones that are best fit for you and your career. And again, you can do that by getting some guidance from a mentor or, you know, somebody that can help you in your specific field. Um, Because what you don't want to do is become so spread out that, you know, you're not making any progress in your career. To be be honest, I agree with you. Like, like you shall be mentor even the college itself even like a beside career advisor, you shall be a mentor, like like academic, you shall be like a career advisor or mentor advisor or someone from the field that kid can give you advice. Like, mashallah, like myself, for example, like, or a coach, like, Mr., like you, Mr. Antonio, something like that. Because to be honest, yeah. no one even, as I said earlier, no one even teach us what to do. Like if we graduate, right. you are on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, well, we, one of the things that we want to do at EMI is create some resources that hopefully the colleges and universities can share with their students to give them some guidance and you know to get out in the field the right way. Um, I think that's important because right now there is no guidance. If you don't have an internship, you have no guidance, like we said before, and you're not going to know where to start. You're not going to know where to go. And that also leads to us losing engineers because they go to another profession because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They can go and do computer coding or do something else that's re- more readily available or maybe easier to navigate. So I do think that that's a very important point and we need to, we need to provide more guidance to engineering students. And even before college, you know, one of the things that we're trying to get involved with EMI is to promote more STEM you know, to more diverse groups of children, because that's really where it starts for everybody. And I just think that that's really important and we need to keep that going. It's, it's, our, it's our job really as civil engineers to keep promoting the profession for the future. Yeah, so, uh, so Mr. Anthony, um, I totally agree that, um, uh, that we are losing a lot of engineering for management roles, even in the early of their career, in the middle of their career. And I think the reason that they need to be attached uh, and they have the feeling they are part of big purpose. I mean, sometimes we give these lectures for, uh, for example, even for fundamental things in fluid mechanics and mechanics for material. But in the end, when you give example, like you mentioned about Brooklyn Bridge, we, you mentioned about some, uh, for, for example, transportation, you mentioned something about hyperloop. So once they feel they are attached to something really big, and I totally believe that civil engineering is one of the most humanitarian um, job in the world. I mean, there is a famous documentary on Netflix called Dream Big, and uh, it is mainly about civil engineering and their contribution. I mean, we are calling civil engineering for for a reason because we, we want to give back for the people. And um, we wrote uh, like um, like a document me and we called "I'm Severe, I'm Civil Engineer, I'm Proud," and it is just to inspire people who are in high school why they should be a civil engineer. Definitely the presentation of civil engineering will be different now with the force and revolution, with the 3D printing, with the new material, graphene, all these things. But still it is the same purpose. And I think maybe one of the things that in academia, sometimes uh, we go so much in details and we forget about how uh, remind ourselves and the young engineer about our purpose. And once they are uh, feel that they are part of the purpose, and uh, they will they will stay in the game. And there is famous say that involve me and I will never forget. And I think more involvement and uh, the belonging uh, feeling to the civil engineer, it is the main reason why the engineer, they will stay in their uh, field. Yeah, I mean, Kashwani, that those are, again, great, great comments. And first of all, Dream Big is a good, great movie that was the ASCE created. And Menzer Pahlavin, one of the stars in the movie, she's been on our podcast. She's great. And it, it, it serves a great purpose to inspire the next generation of engineers. But to your point, Kashwani, I think what happens, the problem in civil engineering world is that 
people talk a lot about what civil engineers do in terms of, hey, we built this bridge, we built this building, but what they don't talk about is the benefits to humanity that that building or that bridge create, right? So if I'm working on a highway and I design a new highway, a lot less people are going to die because there's going to be a lot less car accidents, right? So we need to tell these kids or these young engineers that that you're saving lives with this highway. You're not just drawing a cool curved highway that looks new, right? You're saving people's lives. You are going to design a new water system for a country. You're saving people's lives. Young kids are going to drink clean water because of you. And it's not just about the plans that you're drawing or the software that you're using or the AutoCAD that you're using, right? That's cool, but that's not the benefit. So we need to talk more about the benefits of engineering as opposed to what the actual components of engineering are. And I think that that's something that gets lost. And I think to your point, Kashwani, is people want to know that they're making a difference in the world. And especially the younger generations right now, they're looking to make a difference. And there's no, in my opinion, civil engineering can help you make the biggest difference in people's lives. You can touch every aspect of someone's life, the roads, the buildings, water, you know, soil, everything. And we just need to communicate that better. Yeah, to be honest, I agree with you. There is less communication and there is there is now detachment from the purpose now of the civil engineer. When you go like into all confidence, there is less detachment about this. So about that sixth question I was gonna ask, we already speak about the, the market post-COVID-19, how it be with a grief. But what do you think about it after COVID-19 and 10 years from now, the market for civil engineers? It's a great question. And Atif, before we go to that question, I wanted to say one more thing about the last point about the purpose. When someone says I'm a civil engineer, let's say, you know, I design water systems. One other way to say it is I save people's lives. You know what I mean? Like that's how people have to think. Like not about like I design a pipe. My pipe with the water in it is going to save people's lives. So I just want to mention that because that's the mindset we need to have. But to your question about, you know, what the civil engineering market's going to look like post COVID and what it's going to look like 10 years from now, I think the civil engineering market's incredible. I mean, at least here in the U S everywhere you look, infrastructure is bad. Things are crumbling. Things are coming down. Bridges are eroding. There's so much work that needs to be done for a long time. So I think the civil engineering profession is has a lot of opportunity in it. And if it's something that interests you, I think you could have a very good career in civil engineering. And in regard post-COVID, I talk to civil engineering companies every day. Nobody has been slow through COVID here because civil engineers are essential workers. So you can't stop working on roads. You can't stop working on bridges. You can't stop working on water systems. You can't. So the companies have been busy. I think they're going to remain busy. Now, there might be some drop-off in terms of, like here in the US, of course, or everywhere, there hasn't been as many people driving, which means there hasn't been as much toll collection, which means there isn't as much funding for some projects maybe in the near future. But that being said, we already see it here in the US. They're already looking at more infrastructure funding and bills to, to pump money into infrastructure. So I truly believe that a civil engineering career will be a good career for a very long time. And it's only going to become more and more needed as the population grows and we need more resources. Yeah, to be honest, I agree with you. Even here in UAE, there was essential worker civil engineer, actually. Even being the cost section, it was essential worker that was not stopped, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Because here, even the same, it's a because even infrastructure or any even going construction project shall be going on. Because it's a one essential worker and, and the civil engineer work cannot be stopped. Even it might go down, as, as, as you say, but it never die. It will yeah. go down, but it never die. So about that, we speak about like some civil engineer change and measure, like uh, at the beginning of their career, because there were not there were there is there is improper guidelines for that, because there is no less guidelines and no one have a good guidelines for these civil engineers. So they they got panicked and they changed to other measure. And I know personal st story from some of my friends who change the measure completely. So if someone, civil engineer, changes measure completely, is it okay? And he's, he's, he can use from the civil engineer or not? So what I tell people all the time is, 
unless you want to be a doctor, <clears throat> right? An engineering degree is a great degree to have because it gives you a lot of flexibility. If you get your engineering degree, you can go into finance, you can go to law school. There's a lot of things that you can do after you have an engineering degree and you can go into basically any field except the doc except becoming a doctor. Then you got to go to, you know, medical school. But what happens is you can't do it the other way around. So if you go to school for finance, you can't become an engineer after that, right? You got to go back to school for a long time. So I always, I mean, I had many job offers from finance companies, consulting companies, and engineering companies. And what they told me was, listen, you've been trained, you know, analytically as an engineer, so we can teach you finance. That's easy, you know? So, so my recommendation to your point is unless you want to become a doctor, I recommend that you get an engineering degree and you can do anything. I really believe that you can do anything and you can learn anything. Um, you know, if you want to be going to finance, maybe you get an MBA in finance after with your engineering degree. Many people have done that very successfully. In fact, if you look at some of the most successful financial leaders in the world, they have engineering backgrounds. Michael Bloomberg has an engineering background, right? So, so the answer is yes, I believe that you can transition anywhere from engineering, but if you don't have the engineering degree, you got to go back. And that's something that people need to remember. To be honest, yes, I agree. Because, uh, to, because even I know some people, for example, there's a field called sales engineer. If you, like, for example, if I'm, if I'm a contractor, I have a material or product, and I want to sell it, to give it a seller, to pitch it to some other contractor or something. If I go as a salesperson, he's not going to know what's technical spec. But if you give an engineer who knows the technical step and he knows how to give the sales, he has the sales technical spec, the sales of a technical soft skill, he's better in the market, better than any other salesperson, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. No, 100%. I mean, yeah. engineers yeah. have skills that they, when you get an engineering degree, you learn how to think very analytically, which allows you to solve problems. That's those skills are valuable in any field, not just in engineering. So I really think that it's the education that you're getting that's very valuable. You may go on to be a very successful engineer, but you don't have to. You have a lot of flexibility with that degree. And I think a lot of people shy away from it because they say engineering school is hard. Well, it is hard, but it's four years. You dedicate four years of your life and it opens up a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is why, you know, you find many engineers and especially civil engineers, they are PMP holders. I mean, most of the PMP holders are engineers, but they yeah. have engineering background. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and, um, and for those of you not familiar with the PMP, the project management professional, which you can get from PMI, can be, a, again, you can have that engineering degree as a base and you can add things to it like a PMP, like an MBA, and that can tra really transform your career. And again, to your point, Atif, like these are things that we should be educating students about because they don't understand any of this when they're in school. If they knew some of this, it might change the major or it might help them to do one thing or the other. It might make sure that they take their FE exam in college and get it done so that they can get their license when they get out. So, you know, really, I think one of the themes that we're hearing here is we need to give a lot more career guidance to students and younger engineering professionals. And that's always been, you know, one of the parts of EMI's mission for sure. Uh, to be honest, that's not the mission of the AMI, mission of you, to be honest, and to spread the mission of the civil engineer to the whole world. Actually, you, to be honest, you inspired a lot of people, Mr. Antoni. Like, even inspired us to, like, to go and start to speak about the civil engineer and to talk about it, to be honest. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and yeah. you know, I do hear from a lot of engineers, and it, you know, it makes me feel good because that's, that's why I started doing this because I felt like there was a lack of guidance and I wanted to provide that. And hopefully as EMI grows and the platform grows, we can just reach more and more engineers and maybe we can do some of the things that we talked about on this call, which is getting into the schools and helping at that level as well. Yeah, we really thank you, Mr. Anthony. I mean, um, uh, me and Atif, uh, we were discussing that and we are uh, friends since college days and uh, we were following you and um, like, we, we do, um, uh, like we have the courage after listening to you, you said, you know, we don't have the, the theme of civil engineering here in uh, Middle East podcast, let's do it. And uh, we started and uh, we, you know, um, it helps us and uh, it inspire also other young engineers. And um, 
I, I think it is more, we become more interactive about civil engineering, you know, we have the passion, you know, but uh, to, it, it become it helps us to become more dynamic. So um, I think um, and we owe you <laughs> big, uh, big thanks. And um, uh, we really uh, hope that to continue the, the impact and the purpose uh, missions to all the next civil engineers, because, um, uh, you know, again, I totally believe that um, uh, civil engineering is one of the most humanitarian jobs in the world. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Well, listen, guys, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed my time and my conversation with you. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. We need people inspiring civil engineers everywhere. And if there's anything that I can do to help you or EMI can do to help you guys, we're more than willing to help out. But thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Uh, so, Mr. Tony, so if anyone wants to go and listen to you, where he can find you or where he can find EMI? So the best way to do it is go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. And there you can find all of the content and all the training programs and everything right there. Another thing that you could do is connect with me on LinkedIn or follow EMI on LinkedIn. We put all of our content and stuff out on LinkedIn. We put a lot of good articles and podcasts out there that can help you. Um, and I think that you know, those are really the best ways to kind of follow what we're doing at EMI. Thank you, really, Mr. Mr. Antonio. Really appreciate that. We really thank you and we wish you the best for you and to spread all the word to the all, your message to the, all the world. Well, thank you, Atif. Thank you, Kashwani, for having me. Uh, wish you guys all the best. And I look forward to, you know, like you. I said, helping you any way that I can. So, wow. It was a great episode and a great talk to discuss with Mr. Antonio. To be honest, he's one of the reasons why me and Ghanim opened a podcast in Seven Engineer. Because we felt that there is not much people talking about it, especially here in the Middle East. So we felt let us open and talk about this topic. I wish if I can meet Mr. Tony during my undergraduate course. Because for me, taking one lecture with him is better than taking picture with hundreds of my professor who taught me during my undergraduate. So what do you think guys about that? Do you like this episode? We'll try to bring more guests in the future. And we're going to put Mr. Antoni show notes, detail in the show notes, and contact of the MMI also. So see you guys the best, and happy holiday, and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Take care. Bye. To wrap it up this episode, hopefully you're going to like it. I wish you the most for work, and good luck, and see you another episode. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. See you guys. Have a good day and good night. Thank you. Good night.